It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I love the post office. I love uh, the men and women that work in the post office. I love getting letters. I love sending letters. A good portion of my Saturday is spent writing out letters of various types and going to the post office, affixing an old-fashioned postage stamp to them and putting in the mail. A lot of you have probably gotten letters from me. I love the whole process. And I have always been so impressed with the post office because – No matter what's going on in the country, the post office is there. And it's always been a pretty remarkable thing to me that for a relatively insignificant amount of money, really for most of my lifetime, pennies, you could send a letter anywhere in the country and have it get there in a day or two. And maybe that's a lot less remarkable in an era of email and text messaging and WhatsApp messaging and 9,000 different social media platforms. I still think there's something pretty appealing about an old-fashioned letter. And the men and women of the post office who came to work every day during the COVID pandemic when wide swaths of the workforce were all – not only permitted, but forced to work from home. And the men and women of the post office literally put their lives on the line, many of whom got sick, many of whom died during the pandemic, performing us a public service. I have an immense amount of admiration for them. And I've really been frustrated at the public perception of the post office and the men and women that work there as people that uh, are ready to shoot up a place with an Uzi as people that are unreliable. That's not my experience at all. And uh, I really think we could do with a lot more gratitude, particularly when it's my contention. And we're going to find out from someone who's much more studied on this than I am, that the real problem for the post office was not anything to do with their work performance. It was Congress. Congress really started so many of the problems the postal uh, office and the postal service is trying to dig out from now. Somebody who has uh, studied these issues, written on them, explored them for many years is Christopher Shaw. He's a historian, a policy analyst, and an author whose books include First Class, the U.S. Postal Service, Democracy, and the Corporate Threat. Christopher, thanks so much for staying up late with us on the radio. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, it's now 68 cents for a forever stamp of the uh, first class variety. Is this a uh, I complained about this and some listeners pointed out that it's still comparatively much less than what other countries are charging for postage. Is this a great ripoff or a great bargain, Christopher? Well, I think it's still a, a great bargain, and it's true. Internationally speaking, it's still pretty good value for your money. But it's also true that when you start going back in history and you look at how much postage has cost and you adjust it for inflation, we're starting to, to edge up a little bit. And uh, I don't know if we quite hit a new high, but we're definitely higher than we have been in the past with that $0.68 cent, uh, increase uh, that just recently uh, went into effect. 
I alluded to my perception about the root of the post office's financial problems and that Congress has uh, something to do with this, namely the formula that um, that Congress uh, forced on the Postal Service for prepaying the retirements of future workers. A- am I accurate as far as you're concerned? And can you give folks a little bit of the history as to what Congress did to the post office? Well, so that was a huge millstone around the neck of the Postal Service for, for years until it was finally, Congress finally removed it um, just last year. But uh, it dates back to 2006 when Congress passed a law that required the Post Office to prepay the health benefits of its future retirees, some of whom at that point may not have even been born yet. Um, well into the future, no other government agency required to do this, no private corporation attempts to do this, and uh, it really created a, a major burden, a major financial burden on the on the post office, and it was there for, you know, well over a decade uh, until it was finally and quite rightly removed. Congress finally took action and, and rectified that that situation. So now the problems that the post office have been experiencing, a lot of folks point to many different factors. One of the ones that frequently gets mentioned in all the articles about the postage price hikes is COVID. Uh, What did COVID do to the post office? Well, COVID, on the one hand, because people were at home trying to isolate from the virus, it meant you were shipping more things. So that really increased uh, the number of packages that the post office was delivering. And so that led to more revenue. But on the other hand, it meant people are you know, going out less, they're going to the post office less, they are mailing less letters. Um, and so it really did have a, an impact in, in that way at, at the same time. Um, so it also just kind of discombobulated everything and uh, gave rise to the inflationary period we're going through right now, which is uh, discombobulated the economy. And so it's it's made things sort of more bumpy and harder to predict and, and more unstable. So I did a video the, uh, the day before the post office raised the prices of the postage stamp. And a lot of people commented on the video essentially saying that uh, not only am I a dinosaur, but that the post office is a dinosaur, that they've failed to adapt to how people communicate in the 21st century. Most people aren't sitting home um, writing out checks and paying their bills by mail. They're doing it with things like online bill pay. Most people aren't getting um, their magazine subscriptions in the mail. They're going online and reading the subscription, the digital subscription to whatever it is they want to read. How do you react to that, Christopher? Is the post office a dinosaur? I don't think so. And here's why, because it's been an integral part of our country for over two centuries from the very beginning, and it's constantly been able to adapt when it's been allowed to adapt. So, for instance, the post office didn't used to deliver packages. And then you got the big mail order catalog houses, the Montgomery Wars, the Sears, like that. And, and so the post office responded to that and began delivering packages in the early 20th century. And, you know, you just go back 20 years ago, people were thinking that, well, you know, people aren't mailing as many letters and stuff, but then you get the e-commerce boom, people shopping online and shipping things. And the post office has stepped up and been delivering more and more packages. So people have always been saying this with the telegraph. They said that's the end of the post office. Well, you can't even send a telegram anymore. Western Union discontinued that service a, a little while ago now. Um, you know, with a the telephone, they said that's the end of the post office. So I think when the post office is allowed to adapt and be creative, it has continually reinvented itself and remained a central part of American society. 
With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Well, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Christopher Shaw. His book is First Class, The U.S. Postal Service, Democracy and the Corporate Threat. We're going to get into what that corporate threat is in just a moment. One of the things that we hear about from time to time, Christopher, is that maybe it would be prudent for the post office to simply end Saturday mail service. It's a good way for them to save a couple of bucks. And uh, may, m- most people aren't relying on that Saturday mail delivery. How would you react to a proposal of that nature, Christopher? Yeah, about uh, 10 years ago or so, there was a big push that the Postmaster General at the time made to to do that and make that happen. And the argument being, okay, you know, we cut back on our expenses for one of uh, six days out of the week. But then what happened is with this new shopping uh, culture that we have going on, the new shipping uh, way of life that we're leading these days where people, they want things delivered and they want them delivered. They don't just want them delivered six days a week now. Now they want them delivered seven days a week. And so actually the post office delivering six days a week became uh, an advantage. And so I think that um, at this point in time, because people want things, you know, people want it tomorrow, right? They want it right away. They want things delivered uh, quickly and that's their expectation. I think that actually having the Six-day delivery is a big advantage for the for the post office, um, given the way things have, have evolved up to, to this point. All right. You have a lot of suggestions on how the post office could continue to adapt, things they could be doing that they aren't. Give us a couple. What should the post office do in terms of innovation, in terms of adapting to a 21st century economy that they haven't necessarily been willing to do? Well, I think one thing about the post office is just remarkable. There's over 30,000 of them across the country, you know, in the big cities and little small towns and, you know, your neighborhood, my neighborhood, everywhere. And that could really become a portal to government services across the board, whether it be federal, state, local government. You want to get a bus pass. You want to get a hunting license. You know, you have a question about Social Security. Uh, there's a ways that we could integrate that into the post office to make it a place where you could go as a one-stop uh you know, to get access to all those government services. Another thing that I've been talking about for, for a long time is to get the post office back in the banking business again. And so people have forgotten this, but for most of the 20th century, there was a savings bank at the post office. And with bank branches being shut down and with a lot of customers out there that the banks don't see them as profitable, they don't really want to serve them, that's a real opening. There's a need there. Um, and there's a market failure there for uh, the post office to come and get back into uh, banking again. And it would save a lot of people who don't have a lot of money on a lot of fees and, and other ways that they're, you know, they're instead of going to the bank, they're going to uh, check cashing outlets and places like that. We'll get the post office back into, into banking again, just like it did for most of the 20th century. I think that that would be a, an excellent uh, place for the post office to be. And also 
this is something that postal systems in other countries, uh, most of them are already mm. doing this. Well, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. And I've followed this for a long time, including your work, and I'm all for this. But just so folks understand, it's clear how allowing the Postal Service to offer uh, postal savings accounts would do well for the unbanked or people that don't want to get nickel and dimed from, you know, major, major banks. But explain to folks how the post office itself would make money with that. Well, I think the thing about it is, is that the post office wouldn't be operating like a typical bank. So it wouldn't be looking at trying to maximize its profit. What it would be looking to do is to provide a service that it costs would be covered for the service, but the main thing would be to provide the service. That would have to be the, the way that it would be set up. And, it, you know, again, the post office did this before, and it, and it could do it again. But it would be run different from a normal bank that's looking to squeeze every you know nickel and dime out of its customers. That wouldn't be the way that this bank would operate. Hey, your book is subtitled The U.S. Postal Service, Democracy, and the Corporate Threat. What is the corporate threat as it relates to mail delivery? Well, the, the purpose of the post office, as I see it, and this dates back to the founding, dates back to George Washington, is to bind the nation together. And so it's always existed to create national unity and to promote democracy. And the corporate threat is the idea that we're just going to be operating like a business instead of like a public service. And also that any entity that something can be subcontracted out to, we're going to subcontract that out so that they can make a profit. And when you do that, it fractures the system and it ceases to operate as that public service that has been integral to national unity and democracy in this country right from the founding. There was a column in The Hill, I'm sure that you saw it, uh, very critical of not only you but others, I guess including me, uh, headline, Side Hustles Won't Save the U.S. Postal Service. It was by uh, Kevin Kosar, who is uh, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And essentially what he says is that your proposals and the proposals to have the post office do other things are not only unwise, but they're contrary to the law, which limits the Postal Service to simply providing postal services, and those are very closely related, like, you know, selling greeting cards. What do you make of that um, that column and that criticism, Christopher? Well, I think, it, to me, it reflects a lack of imagination, because the thing is, the post office wasn't allowed to deliver packages until 1913, when people had the imagination to say, you know what? We're tired of getting ripped off by right. these private shipping companies. We want the post office to do it. And the post office did it and did it in a much better fashion that consumers were much happier with. Same thing with banking. The banks didn't want the post office to offer the banking services that it offered for most of the 20th century. And people had the imagination to allow it to do that. So the real question here is, what do we want to do with this amazing institution that's been part of our country for over 200 years? What imagination do we have for it? Do we have the same kind of imagination that generations before us did? And then from that starting point, let's you know explore the options and see what we can make happen. The one of the things that the post office still doesn't do, unless I'm mistaken, is I don't think they allow you to ship alcohol. Is that a way that they would be able to be more competitive with uh, UPS and FedEx and offer services that other private shipping companies are able to do? Absolutely. I mean, this is something that the post office, if these other shipping companies can do it, why can't the post office? Well, the post office can't do it because there's lobbying that prevents it from offering these kinds of services. And 
there's a continual lobbying to try to narrow uh, what the postal system can do for the American people. And my position is that we should be thinking about the possibility of what the postal system can do for the American people, not how can we get it to do less. So the um, folks that are that are leading the lobbying efforts against allowing the Postal Service to do other things, those are the companies that are currently making money doing those other things, whether it's banks, whether it's private shipping uh, organizations like FedEx, or whether it's anybody else that are is currently providing the services you're talking about. That's absolutely right. And I mean, in the case of, of FedEx and UPS for decades, they've been constantly lobbying against any attempts for the post office to, to serve the American people better, to, to offer more. Um, this has been a top agenda item for them, and they are one of the major lobbying forces on Congress. They spent millions and millions of dollars lobbying in Congress for many, many years, and they don't want the Postal Service to be able to become all that it can be. Christopher Shaw, I appreciate the time this morning. I hope we could talk again. Best of luck with your efforts. Thank you, and I appreciate your support of the post office, and it's good talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Likewise, if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead.